church. My goodness, this church seems to look a little bit older since the last time I saw you. But I will not hold that against you. Uh, I must say that uh, my, my visit to Zimbabwe has come up, come as one of the highlights of my year to see how different things of God do and just to be a part of it. You know, we're building something bigger than just what we're doing at home. And um, the kingdom of heaven needs to be reached here. So God gifts us in different ways so that we can go and help inspire other people to become that very thing. So to Hokkien and her leadership, thank you again for allowing me to come and just be able to minister the word of God. It's able to change our lives. It's able to change our situation. It has changed what seems to not want to change. It can change it. But do we believe it? You see, that wasn't kind of like a response that should have been there. Because when Jesus went to people and people asked him, say, he asked them, do you believe? Do you believe? You see, it's very easy when we read everything about in the Bible and God did it for someone else, but will he do it for us? And I want to say, yes, he can. I was going to share this, this story at the end, of, but I want to, I want to share it so it inspires you to understand the power of prayer. And, and here's the deal. When we come here, we don't come and minister our own agenda. We come to build what God is building here. And so that's why I'm really privileged to be able to add on to what Hokkien has been speaking about. But I want to tell you about the power of prayer. Lady Brand, by the way, the first lady does not look this. It's on the eastern free state where if you find Masiru and Lesotho, it's on the other side of the border. We've had a very mild winter this year. Um, we've, I think our worst has been minus seven. So I don't know what that means to you. But anyway... Uh, we haven't hit the minus 15. That, that's, that's very uh, ugly. That's when you want to move. Um, but anyway, what happened was there was a real onslaught that came in and hit Lady Brand in the sense of armed robberies and stuff. It was, uh, it was almost like Lady Brand, this little city in the middle of nowhere that really doesn't have much to offer, all of a sudden became a focal point, and it was aggressive stuff. You know, when things get close to home, all of a sudden it gets your attention. And you're not either going to settle down and just accept it, or you're going to stand up and say, we do not allow this in our town. That's what the church needs to do. I believe the church is the gatekeeper to every town, every city. We're the one that calls the shots. Come on, church. We're the one that calls the shots. When our voice might not be listened to in the sense of to people, but uh, when we start to adjust the heavenlies, earth has to change. It has to change. It cannot stay the same. And so we had a couple of people in the church that were, were, uh, were on the brunt of these armed robberies. One of the families were held hostage at gunpoint for three hours. Um, they wanted to abduct the little girl. They even showed the syringe that will put her to sleep, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it just became really aggressive. They looted the house. Then um, two houses to my left, they, they hit that house. And two houses to my right, they hit that house. I went to see the house on the left of me, which was another family in the church. I mean, they ripped the door frames out the wall. Uh, and you can't get your car into the yard. They, they did it with picks and all that kind of stuff. So you must understand, they came with a mission. They ripped the, the, the safe open. They stole the man's pistol. Do you see how they opened the, the, the safe? You think, what? These are like the Hulk. So we got out. We said as a church, we refuse that this thing is going to manipulate because all of a sudden our community went into fear. Nobody would go out at nighttime. And so we got out and we had a week, I declared a week of prayer and fasting where we would pray in the morning, we would pray in the evening. And we just prayed three things. Number one, God, this will not uh, uh, continue. 
it'll stop you sleeping at night. Number two, that you would arrest those people physically. And number two, three, you would arrest them spiritually. And we pray every day. I want to tell you, you know when you're desperate, that's when you all of a sudden prayer becomes a, 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 not a, a, an option. It's a necessity. So what happens? I mean, the people were amazing. Came in and, and that's great. And uh, the following week, the police called everybody together to, um, to, to, to try and mobilize neighborhood watches and all that kind of stuff to, to just raise the visual thing in our town. And the police commander stood up there and he, and he, he started to speak about all the things and, and what they've noticed, what times they hit, the days that they've been hitting, all that kind of stuff. And at the end of it, he said, and I want to say that this week we have not had one account of any armed robberies in our town at all. I share that with you to inspire you that God hears our prayers and that every single one of us need to get to a place where prayer becomes a priority in our lives. It's not an option any longer. And people cannot carry you. We need to carry each other. We need to be part of this thing. A team fails when one person is not part of the team and they're playing a game and not holding this position. Church, in, in Isaiah 59, it says this, When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord has decreased the standard. No. If you want to beat anything, you have to raise the standard. You pick the standard up. Your commitment level goes higher. Your involvement level goes higher. Your passion goes higher. Everything goes higher. That's how you beat the devil. In our country right now, we live in a school. Our education is appalling. In fact, it's scary. And the reason why it's got there is because we keep lowering the standard. You can only pick something up when you raise the standard. The Word of God is going to raise your standard. It's going to challenge you to a higher, better, more commitment, more faithfulness, more giving, more everything. That's how we beat the devil. That's how darkness cannot hang around when light is around. That was what my little piece of that song said. Hallelujah. But I, I just think there's a, there's a desperation that's happening. There's, there's signs. Listen to me. There's signs in this country that you're going back to where you came out of. As a church, we stand up in Jesus' name. Father, that will not affect us. And our economy is a heavenly economy. It's not a worldly economy. In Jesus' name. So, Father, I thank you. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray. I pray that hearts would be encouraged today. I pray that your word would unlock something on the inside of us. The greatness of God, heaven would open up on the inside of us today in Jesus' name. We're not little people. Nobody's trying to exist on earth. I thank you that we are the arms, the hands, the feet, the voice of God here on earth to bring heaven into earth in Jesus' name. And I pray that, Father, we will not settle, but we will continually be pioneers pushing the boundaries and causing darkness not to be able to put its roots down here. But righteousness will prevail in Jesus' name. Amen. Woo, let me get my breath back. Here we go. Pope Pius said this, A man without prayer is like a tree without roots. If you have no prayer in your life, you will be blown around by every little thing that happens. Every challenge will push you somewhere. And you and I need to become people that are prayers. James chapter 5, verse 16 says this, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Can I ask all the righteous people to please put up your hands? What happened to the other half of you? 
No, we need to understand the Bible says that our prayers are powerful. So if it's powerful, let's use it. Let's use that. And so that is why we pray. We, uh, 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 we need to be, be, become people that pray. Now, here's the deal. It's the worst attended meeting that the church ever had. And when there's crisis, it's the worst attended thing still. But prayer needs to change. So a, a key to a dynamic prayer life, I believe, is three things just as a bit of a foundation. Number one, relationship. Our relationship with our Father is the key to our, 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 our dynamic prayer life. If I don't know who my God is, I have no confidence in approaching Him. So therefore, I need to become someone of the Word that longs the Word, because the Word is going to teach me who He is. It's going to de- demonstrate His heart. It's going to reveal His plan and His purpose for us. Everything in the Word is for you and I, because that's God's idea for us. Not some of it, not maybe, it's a yes. Jesus said these promises are yes and amen. Yes and amen. So, um, the other thing is obedience. When you and I are going to start to pray, God's going to start to speak. Then when He speaks to you, He expects you to do something. And someone is waiting on the other side of your and my obedience. When God says, get up and go and speak to that person over there, because they, they need to hear from God, and you become the vessel that He wants. You saying no, shuts God reaching that person at that moment. So our obedience then becomes an absolute necessity in the prayer life. We're going to see things change. And then the last thing I believe for a dynamic prayer life is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You know what? We're moving into a dimension where we can't afford to just be passive Christians anymore. The Bible tells me that when, as the end comes, darkness will increase. But our light shines. You know, it's amazing. You can light a candle in darkness and darkness still has light. I don't care how, how, how good you think you are. As long as you shine, you're going to make a difference. And so we should receive power. In Romans chapter 8, 36 says that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know how we ought to pray. I don't know about you, but when we had that whole onslaught, I didn't know how to pray. But all I knew is I knew how to pray in the Holy Ghost. Father, change things in the heavenlies in Jesus' name. Ephesians 6 verse 8, he says, pray with the Spirit on all occasions. On all occasions. You see, you and I can function in the natural, or we can function in the supernatural. We choose. I choose the supernatural, because Lazarus got nothing on me. All right, so, I want to come from a different angle as we talk about prayer. What time have I got now? o'clock now. <laughs> Half an hour. Okay. Protocol. I want to speak about the protocol of prayer. Protocol of prayer. I, uh, uh, I believe Pastor Ian's going to be speaking in two years concerning how to pray and all those kind of things. But I want to say the protocol is, is something that we never hear about. And in Deuteronomy 28 verse 1 it says, if you will fully obey, how much? Fully. Obey the Lord your God and carefully follow some of his commandments that are it says, follow all His commandments I give you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings will come upon you. Is there an if in this? No. There's a guarantee that when you and I do something, heaven's going to guarantee to come. It says, a, uh, it says, all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you will obey the Lord your God. So everything's going to come about uh, uh, out of obedience. Now, I want to ask you a question very quickly. How many of you have had an invitation to go and visit the Queen? Nobody. Of course, I haven't either. 
But if you had to, you will just not walk in there, knock on the door, say, hey, Queenie, you like it, Sissy. You will get the right foot of fellowship. You'll be out of there. You'll be dust, and nobody will find you ever again. Why? Because this royalty, and if you want to approach her, if you want an appointment with her, there is certain protocol that is necessary. You, they want to, they will first divulge into your background to see where you come from and how you can behave yourself. Praise God, the blood of Jesus has covered that now. So we have no background. In the spirit, in the spirit. Maybe you have some records on a piece of paper somewhere. But what happens is they will sit down with you. They will teach you how to speak with her. They will teach you how to talk to her. They will teach you how to address her. They will tell you how to dress. They will tell you a lot of stuff. Why? Because you're going to meet with royalty. Be very quiet. Do you know there's something challenging that's coming here? Now, with all due respect, who is the queen in relation to the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords, the mighty to save, the creator of heaven and earth, the one that says he holds the whole universe in the palm of his hand? Who is she in relation to him? Nothing. If we are going to put that kind of respect and honor on someone who is physical, how much respect and honor should we be putting on the one that loves us? You see, there is a thing that has sneaked into the church, uh, and, and we talk about the, the, the God up there or the big boss up there. Listen to me. I'm telling you, He is not the big boss up there. He is my heavenly Father. He's, he's the one that creates. He's the one that gives me breath to breathe, and so therefore I'll, I'm not scared of Him, but I will keep Him and honor Him in prayer. And sometimes our prayers are not being answered because I, we've missed the protocol. Let, let, let me, let me, in the Old Testament, praise God, we're not living in the Old Testament, but just let me give you an idea so you can understand. In the Old Testament, when the priests would have to go into the inner court, um, they had to make sure that all their T's were crossed and their I's were dotted. They had done everything correctly because when they went behind that curtain, there was a chance that they wouldn't come back. There were bells around the bottom of their skirts that they used to wear so that the people on the outside could still hear them moving on the inside. They would walk in there with a, tie, a rope tied around their ankle because if they dropped dead there, if you went to fetch them, you'd drop dead too. We're not talking about the mighty down the road. We're talking about our heavenly Father. We're talking about the right protocol and the right attitude towards the way we approach God. And so we need to understand that. And so, and so God is doing certain things. He's cleaning up the church. He's cleaning up our attitude. He's cleaning up our ways. He's cleaning up things. Why? Because He wants to build something in you. You cannot build a huge foundation, a building with a, with a shaky foundation. So that's why God needs to repent and come back. So if we want our prayers to come to heaven, then I want to say there's a certain thing that we need to put into place as part of prayer. And protocol means that practices are taken so let me leave a couple of thoughts with you about some protocols that I believe is necessary as I read the word. Number one, our first key protocol is honor. Honor. Honor speaks of respect, paying tribute to, and the way I approach. Listen, my son can approach me anytime. I can be in a meeting. He, he has access to me anytime. 
But the day that He speaks to me like He's speaking to His Michaels on the field at school, He sees the other side of it. Why? Because I do not want Him to grow up as a boy with no respect for people. And so we need to understand that there's, there's certain respect and, and honor is something that we need to put on, on, on who the Lord is. So the Bible speaks that we need to honor the Lord. Bible uses that word. It says we need to honor Him with our wealth. Are you honoring Him with your wealth? Okay. Are you honoring Him with your time? Are you honoring Him in your attitude? Are you honoring Him with your abilities and your gifting? God gave you those things. Are you honoring Him? Or are you using those things to promote yourself and He has nothing to do with it? He's not getting any benefit from it. You see, our prayer life has got to do with more than just getting down on your knees and praying. It's about the things that I'm putting in order so that when I speak, I speak from a good place. So the way we speak to Him, the way we speak to Him and the way we speak about Him. You know, when I speak about the Lord to people, there is no degrading in my... When I speak to them, I speak with such high authority. I speak with such high esteem of who my God is. Because I love Him so much. See, He took a broken life and He put it back together again. I am eternally grateful for what He's done. So therefore, I want to represent Him in the best possible way. So the way that I represent Him, when 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 you're driving down the street, when you're in your working environment, how do you represent Him? Or, are, or is Sunday just this, put on the suit, I'm going to church, and you, you, you're all spiritually well on a Sunday, but Monday to Saturday, you're a totally different person. Oh. Let me see what 1 Samuel 3 says. God says this, those who honor me, I will honor. Those who honor me, I will honor. Mark chapter 6, verse 4, Jesus says this there. He says, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown and among his relatives and in his own house. Verse 5, listen to this. He could not. He what? He could not. Not he did not want to. He could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. You see, where there is no honor, there is no ability to receive. And God wants you and I to be people that will honor Him in, in everything that we do. Listen to what happens in, in Moses' life. Moses loses his mandate because of a lack of honor. In Numbers chapter 20, verse, 20, uh, verse 12, it says this, And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you have not trusted in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. I wonder where this scripture's been hiding all the time. I've been slapped with this scripture. Honor can change the, the wrath of God to the favor of God. Listen, in Numbers 25, verse 11, God says to Phinehas, son of Eliezer, son of Aaron, the priest, he says that the, the priest has turned my anger away from the Israelites, for he was as zealous as I am for my honor among them, so that in my zeal I did not put an end to them. When you and I are functioning in honor, it turns the wrath of God around to the blessing and the favor of God. Powerful scripture. So God responds to honor. Number three, the second truth to our believer, protocol in this closing illustration. 
celebrating worship. It didn't take too many hours. It's just praise and worship. So the question is, what does praise mean to you? What does praise and worship mean to you? What does praise and worship look like? You see, because we don't know, we don't know how to behave. We, because maybe we've not read the Word, we don't understand the power of praise and worship. We don't understand the dynamics of praise and worship. So, worship is something I determine to be in my heart. I want to be a worshiper. Now, if you were born and wired up like I am, unfortunately, everything on the inside shows on the outside. So I am not an extremely introvert kind of person. So if I'm happy, I'm coming. You can see it. If I'm passionate about something, you can see it on my face. When I'm mad, you can see it on my face. So, Edwin, uh, Lutzer said this. We, if you have not learned to be a worshiper, it doesn't really matter how well you do anything else. Yeah, that is quite like a pastor, okay? Do you have somebody that really does not have, um, is not very reserved in his worship service? You might like to do something praise and worship. Afrikaans. You can't worship in Afrikaans. In Afrikaans, praise. Sir, can I ask you to go up there, please? Can I ask you to get up onto the stage, please? We are going to give a live demonstration, you know, because we love the Word. I love you, sir. We're going to read Psalm 100. And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to read one line, and I'm going to ask you to kind of like act it out. Look at it. You do that. Are you good at that? Okay, cool. Psalm 100. It says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Did you hear that? No, I didn't. Worship the Lord with gladness and come before Him with joyful songs. Which I hear, what are you singing? See you, champion. You can come down. Remember this. You and I are the window through which people see God. If your life is dead, guess what they see? They see a dead God. But when the life of God comes on the inside of you, listen, God spoke life into everything and it became living. So when Jesus comes on the inside of us and he brings his life, you can't stay dead any longer. Something has, some twinkle has to come into your eye. Some bounce has to come into your step again. Something has to respond. You can't be touched by the creator of heaven and earth and stay like a sheep. Unless I have mysteries and followed the wrong dictionary. Calvin Coolidge said this, It is only when men begin to worship, ladies as well, because it's really up here, men begin to worship that they begin to worship. So we need to understand that there's a, now, there's a difference between a praiser and a non-praiser. There's a huge difference. So I want to quickly just run through, I want you to see the picture, but I also want to end off and show you the result. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, David 
was to become king. Remember, the Philistines before this had captured the ark and had taken it away, and they were enjoying the, uh, well, they, they weren't really enjoying it, the presence of the Lord, but um, trouble was coming, and eventually it was in someone's house, and the blessings of God was there. But, so David goes back now, and he grabs it, and he brings it back to Jerusalem. Remember the story. Okay. So what? Uh, and, um, and in verse 40, it says, David, wearing a linen ephod in South African I didn't ask. I hope nobody's going to put that on social media. <laughs> Jesus help us church too. Okay, so what he's trying to demonstrate is David was in his honor brook, dancing before the Lord with all his might. And I presume the reason why he's in his honor brook is because he's very free. <laughs> Let me tell you something. When somebody that you don't know criticizes you, it's easy to disgruggle what is said and what is done. But when somebody is close to you, it tends to be like a nice bedroom. Does anybody understand that? Have you ever experienced that? When the devil came for Jesus, he didn't use the, the Romans or the whatever. He used one of his disciples, the closest one. So here we pick up the same story again. And in verse 16, it says there, As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. If you are watching from a distance, I want to tell you there's something wrong with your life. Okay? So if you are if you're not in the game, if you're not on the field, then there's something wrong. So anyway, she watched from the window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him. That word despised means she hated, she detested, she reviled him in her heart. Your own wife is so disgusted about your excitement about serving God and seeing the presence of God come back to restore a city again. There's something wrong with the picture. So what is the result? Verse 20, when David returned home to bless his household, who doesn't want to be blessed? None of us. We all want to be blessed. Michal, daughter Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel, sarcastically she's speaking now, has distinguished himself uh, today, disrobing in the sight of the slave girls and his servants as any vulgar fellow would. You need to be careful what comes out, of, what's happening in your heart because it's going to come out of your mouth. And so how should we respond? Listen to what David says. David said to Michal, it is before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from your household when he appointed me to rule over the Lord's people of Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to say to you, if you and I want to see something change, then you better be a person that's determined now. I'm going to celebrate before the Lord. Whether you like it, whether you don't like it. My wife often tells me, you're so lucky. Well, at least you don't, you don't have to wonder whether I'm around because you hear me. Before you can see me, you can hear me. I will celebrate for the Lord. I will come even be more undignified than this. And not less than underpaid, please. And um, I will be human. I, I, 
It is not prideful when you're addressing something and a challenging situation is out there. You, it's not prideful to say, if God be for me, who can be against me? That's the right thing to say. It is declaring my dependency is upon God. He's part of my equation. I'm not excluding Him, I'm including Him. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you believe that? Good. Then behave that way. You see, we clear, we, we quote it, but we live a totally different life. We're living defeated. We live, we're going to hide in the corner. No. God said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. You're going to take territory. It's going to be required in strong and courageous. And it declares, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when I'm walking out there, I'm not walking in Basil's ability. I'm walking under the anointing, the hand of God that's upon my life. And it's not prideful to do that. It's a good place to be. Everything that I put my hand to will prosper. It is not prideful to declare that over your life. Why? Because Deuteronomy 28 says so. He has made us the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. All those things say you and I are winners. We're talking about protocol. We're talking about the attitude behind the reason why I'm praying. We're talking about the good foundation or the good platform that I can spring from so that I can be effective in what I'm doing. I am the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. I am able, abounding in grace. I am beautiful. I am blameless and blessed. This is Elijah's equation. This is who she says, I'm chosen. I'm confident. I'm more than a conqueror. Good. Are we getting there? I'm enlightened. I'm faithful. I'm favored. Remember who your daddy is. He is the highest authority that exists in the universe. He's your Elijah. Boy, does that make you happy. Because when darkness pictures, when someone confronts me, I stand with confidence because I know he's with me. And he can just go like a switch. And you're gone. Hallelujah. John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. So remember this, you and I need to build our lives around Jesus. He needs to be the very center. You don't add him onto your life. He is your life. Everything about you. Paul writes in Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who loves me and gives me strength. Remember, we're talking about um, ourselves as seeing ourselves as God's work. Someone once said, God was wisely designed a human body so that you can neither pat yourself on the back or kick your butt. So in other words, you can't feel useless, you are, and you can't say, well, that, hey, there's no one out there like me. No, you can't do that. The donkey that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday was overjoyed at being chosen. He held his head high as they entered the city. He drank in the songs of praise and enjoyed the walk on the palm branches underneath his view. He realized the attention, uh, he, he relished the attention, sorry, and a, a passion directed towards him. A week later, the little donkey wanted to enjoy it again. So he pranced on out to retrace his steps. But this time, the people didn't pay him any attention. He said, where are the palm branches? Don't you know who I am? The people had heard him threw rocks at him instead. The donkey neared the city of Jerusalem and said, where are the songs of praises for me? Don't you remember me? Inside the city, nobody paid him any attention. They uh, shooed him away from their stalls in the street. The little donkey went home dejected and humiliated. When his mother saw him, 
And she said, true and sound, don't you know without Jesus you're nothing? God's going to use you. But remember this, keep giving the glory to Him. Keep giving Him the praise. That's why you and I are praises and worshipers of the Most High God. So when the goodness of God comes, we just direct it back to Him and say, God, you are good. Thank you. You're faithful. Your mercies endure forever. Humility sees ourselves as God's gift. Second thing about humility. True humility is a I've got my wife teaching me something today. She's not here to defend herself. True humility is revealed by how I treat others. You're going to get quiet now. You see, humility is not a badge I wear. Humility is seen by treating others higher and better than myself. Listen to 1 Peter 3 verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect, honor, and forgiveness. As weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your service. Humility is seen how I treat other people. There is, there is a, uh, uh, things that we, we, we notice. That it is easy to drop my gearbox. I don't know if you understand what that terminology means. You can throw your things out the truck. I'm not going to illustrate that. And we, we kind of like give people a piece of our mind and all that kind of stuff. And what we are doing is we're not portraying Jesus in there. I didn't see Jesus. I don't know with the religious people that had no repentance in their heart. Jesus never, ever was harsh with anybody. He was always loving, caring, looking in us, giving us grace. So in Philippians 2, verse 3, the Bible says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in, in humility consider others better than yourself. Verse 5, Your attitude should be the same, that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very form of a servant. How does humility look? Jesus took on the form of a servant. He washed his disciples' feet. Jesus died a criminal death on the cross. Criminals died there, yet he was innocent. He took on the servant. Why? Because he, he looked down the passages of time. He saw you and I right now, and he says, I'm dying for them. I'm serving them. And the result is in verse, verse 9. It says, therefore God has highly exalted him and given the name that's above every other name. And I want to say to you today, it's exactly the same. You want to go up, it requires you to put yourself down. You become a servant, God promotes you. Here's the deal. All of us are looking for promotion in the world, and the world will give you promotion. If you have the problem about the world, go take your promotion away from the promotion. But when God promotes you, He promotes and no man can demote you. Oh, they might take you out of a position, but when God puts His hand on your life to do something, no man can stop you. No man can stop you. I've run out of time. So, that's the way we're working today. So, humility is how I treat others. Last thing, and I'm just going to be very brief on this. Humility is, re is refined into real holiness. You look at your life, you'll find that when everything was going good, you didn't grow. But when the pauper hit the fan, you were in the corner and you were in trouble. I tell you what, you were crying out to God. I remember the story of Mike Wonky. If you ever heard of his name, he was a Christian comedian. And he was, um, at that young age in his life, he says, when, when, when you watch people pray, you'll see how and where they are. And he says, when people are walking around and praying, he says, I trust that they're being charismatic. He says, when people fall onto their knees, he says, when you 
understand it now. I've lost getting a little bit tough now and heavy. He says that one day his life was, uh, it was so bad that he ran to his bedroom. He fell on the floor on his knees at the door and slid on that right against the bed. And he said, God, what are you doing wrong? God said, not me, it's him. See, unfortunately, that our lives change through circumstances. Two questions. Here's the positive side of it. Some of you would not know what I'm talking about because you can't pretend. But when you do things your faith, you blow up balloons. When you blow up a balloon, it does not blow up, it explodes. When you put pressure on the inside, it improves. I want to say this pressure has an amazing ability to bring your Christmas to life and change your life. But the pressure also has the ability to get you to where you need to be. So we need to be kept that are pure. But I believe that the quality needs to be replaced and that our church is powerful church. I want to challenge you. It's time to come out of your shadow. It's time to stop the, the, the rubbish stuff You're not going to build the kingdom of God. You're not going to change Christians. You're not going to change any Christians by being secluded and hiding in the corner of your room. You're going to have to get out. God needs to speak to you. He has placed you. Pastor Dave says in the beginning, he doesn't understand how can God have chosen us to use us to be bringing kingdom to people. He has to speak to you because he needs us to stay humble and not to build his world into a shadow. Something of heaven is being unlocked in you. Lord, your word says you will know the truth and the truth will set us free. And I'm praying right now that in the name of Jesus, the word of God will not leave us where we were, but it will lead us to where you want us to, uh, to go and to be. In Jesus' name. Thank you that, Lord, you love us so much that you speak to us. You create environments. You create moments where we can hear your word so that you can get the message that not one thing that is from heaven today would be stolen from your people in Jesus' name. But that God's people would have every ear that would hear today, every spirit man would receive today in Jesus' name. Oh Lord, I bless every home. I bless every person. I bless every business according to your word. I declare favor and the goodness of God to come upon them. I thank you that, Lord, people have a desire more now to seek you than ever before in Jesus' name. Thank you that, Lord, our relationship with you needs to be revived. Help me to see that. God, do the miracles that your name asks us to do. Show yourself to 